Hi everybody and welcome back to the Macro Compass. This is a free piece of the TMC Macro Education series and today we're going to be talking about the liquidity illusion. The first chart you see in the article is one of the most popular and yet misleading charts in macro. People like very simple narratives. The one that this chart tries to prove is that the Fed is pumping money into the system and that's why equity markets go up. And if the Fed withdraws money, equity markets go down. This is not how it works. So let's explain why this is a misleading chart in macro. A good starting point is asking ourselves, what's money and what's the system? So let's start from money. The chart depicts central bank's balance sheet, or in certain cases, something called net liquidity, which is basically bank reserves. Now, central bank's balance sheets expand mostly through monetary operations. So the most known way is quantitative easing, but there are also other tools, like the recently created Fed facilities, for example. In any case, when a central bank expands its balance sheet by acquiring assets, let's say QE, or by providing financing in exchange of collateral, like the Fed is do was doing in March, it also expands the liability side of their balance sheet. And that's what people refer to as printing money. But to be precise, it actually prints bank reserves. The second diagram in the article explains the mechanics behind this bank reserves printing. And bank reserves are bank money, not real economy money. That means that only banks can transact in bank reserves with each other, you and I can't, and these reserves can never, I repeat, never reach the private sector. So one story there is that by uh, printing bank reserves, central banks would ultimately stimulate loans because banks somehow multiply reserves when they make loans according to this theory. That's also not true. As the Bank of England shows, chart three in the article, banks create new money when extending credit to the private sector. They do not transform or multiply existing reserves. But the most important thing really to prove how the chart in question is really misleading is to remember that banks do not buy stocks with newly printed reserves either. The idea behind this chart is simply wrong. Apparently, as the Fed creates new bank reserves, there would be a mechanism for which banks deploy these reserves in financial assets and therefore they push equity markets up. Banks just don't do that. So what are reserves used for? As we defined a lot of things for which reserves aren't used, what are reserves used for? Mostly to settle transactions against other banks. They also account as a high-quality liquid asset together with government bonds and certain corporate and mortgage-backed securities. Banks can use reserves to pay other banks if they buy HQLA assets from those, if they buy bonds from those. In other words, they pass over bank reserves from each other in a closed system like a hot potato. But they will not use reserves to buy stocks because stocks are effectively not eligible as an HQLA asset or only under extremely strict conditions so that equity ownership as a percentage of HQLA buffers in Europe and in the US is negligible. Conditions are so strict that you could say it's almost 0%. So banks do not buy stocks with reserves. 
But I know what you're thinking now, the portfolio rebalancing effect. If banks are bidding corporate bonds away from each other, spreads will tighten, and this should invite a more aggressive stance from equity investors too. And that is partially true, but it's a potential second-order effect which most importantly requires fundamentals to back this thesis. Banks are not going to blindly over-allocate to corporate bonds because they have more reserves, especially if they smell the risk of rising defaults. See the chart in the article about what happened in 2008. The Fed printed, quote-unquote, almost $1 trillion in orange very rapidly, and yet corporate credit spreads in blue kept widening because default risks were increasing due to the great financial crisis, and it didn't matter that there were a trillion more reserves in the system, banks didn't want to own any kind of credit risk. Economic conditions matter after all. Which brings me back to the main point why the original chart in the piece is misleading. The two series depicted, central bank balance sheet or net liquidity and the Nasdaq in this case, they both trended up over the last 15 years, but for different reasons. Central banks kept accommodating through quantitative easing to try and bring inflation back to target, while the Nasdaq also went consistently up. But that's because earnings grew by roughly 10% on average each year. That's the main reason why, why the Nasdaq went up. And that's the, there are two different reasons why the two lines go up together. So they coincidentally go up together, but there is no real correlation. You don't believe me yet? Let's do some basic mathematics. Have a look at the last table in the article. I statistically tested whether, whether is it really true that liquidity is so tightly correlated to stock market returns. So I ran a simple linear regression analysis between the change in bank reserves and the S&P 500 returns in the last 15 years. And I played around with time lags, I cut outliers, I, I looked at different return windows, maybe three-month rolling, year-on-year -year returns, everything. I played around with everything. Bank reserves and stock markets both tend to go up over time, hence they look very well correlated on a chart. But analyzing the rate of change of liquidity and its potential predictive power on the rate of change of S&P 500 returns helps with smoothing this problem away. And the result is consistently clear. The simple regression analysis tells us that liquidity is pretty bad at predicting future stock market returns. As shown by the R-square data in the summary of the regression statistics in the last 15 years, US liquidity only explain three to 4% of the entire variation of S&P 500 returns. So yes, both net liquidity and the Nasdaq trended up over time. And if you plot them on a dual axis chart, it looks great. But stocks go up over time because earnings grow and not because central banks supposedly pump money into the system. Money in this case means bank reserves. Bank cannot and will not use reserves to buy stocks. So the direct relationship and the simple narrative suggested by mainstream macro commentators simply does not exist. Now, if you're an institutional investor and you enjoyed this macro analysis, I have great news for you. 
I just launched a live Bloomberg chat service and an institutional research service dedicated to you. I will cover macro and market events daily through the interactive Bloomberg chat and deliver institutional focused macro research pieces. How to get access? There is a two weeks free trial. You only need to ping me on Bloomberg, full name Alfonso Peccatiello, or send an email to pro at themacrocompass.com. Remember, two weeks free trial. Talk to you guys again very soon.